Welcome to the Storytellers Lab podcast, where everyday people share real and personal encounters with God. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today is a super special episode with super exciting news that we cannot wait to tell you about. So hang on until the end. We're going to get into Sana's story in just a minute, but we have some really, really exciting news at the end that we cannot wait to tell you about. So make sure you listen all the way through. And now we are going to jump in to Sana's story. That's right. Sana actually contacted us through Instagram. She has such a passion for women telling stories. And wow, does she have a story <laughs> wow, to tell from living in the foster care system to being adopted to being reintroduced to her birth mother to having toxic relationships. She has a lot, but... The great purpose in her story is that we serve a God who heals and brings beauty from ashes mm-hmm. and and redeems in ways that, that we can't even imagine. So you're going to enjoy her story. You are. You're going to love her story. And when we finished with her, we were like, well, we just want you to stick around forever. That's right. So we hope you feel the same way and hear Sana's story. Before Sana's story today, we just want to thank you for being a part of our Cambodia campaign. Storytellers is proud to partner with Never Thirst Water, whose mission is to bring clean and living water to unreached people groups. We are leaving the Cambodia campaign open, so go right now to storytellerslive.org and click on the campaign icon to join us today. We're so thankful for the partnership with Never Thirst. And guess what? It is not too late. If you still want to donate, we're going to leave the campaign open. You can go to our website at storytellerslive.org and click on Cambodia campaign. Or you can even go through our Instagram account and click in our bio where there is a link to the Cambodia campaign. And we're so thankful for Never Thirst and for all of you that have donated to help build a well in Cambodia. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be able to share my story with you all on today. I am hoping that um, through my story, you do not feel bad for me at all, but instead you see God's hand weaving in and out of my story and in and out of my life. And I pray that it really blesses you and resonates in in your heart. So my name is Sana Cotton. Most people call me Sana Latrice. And that's a very interesting story that I'll share as well. But at the age of four and a half, uh, my twin brother and I were actually placed into foster care. We ended up in foster care because our birth mom was uh, severely addicted to drugs. And she had, um, you know, gone through a lot of trauma of her own. Um, At the time that she had us, she was really struggling with the addiction. She was in and out of incarceration. And because of what she had experienced in her own childhood, she really just was not ready to be a mom. Um, In her own life, she just kind of had her own things. She was, uh, her her mother didn't raise her. And so she was raised by her grandmother. And so she kind of did the same thing to my brother and I. Unfortunately, at that time, we were basically put into danger in a lot of situations. And so I myself suffered a lot of physical and sexual abuse. Um, My mother was so severely addicted that she ended up actually uh, selling me for drugs. And so that's kind of how I ended up in the foster care system. My uncle, which is my mother's brother, ended up taking us to a physical, our regular yearly physical. Although my uncle also struggled with an addiction, he was more able to kind of 
deal with life and kind of be as normal as possible. And so he tried to keep some normality to our life. And so he took us to our yearly physical. And while we were at the doctor's, uh, when the doctor went to actually examine me, I began to scream. Um, I didn't want him to touch me. I, I was very scared. And so that was a red flag for the medical staff there. And so they immediately um, got a female nurse that came in and she began to examine me and she started to ask me questions um, about, you know, how was my life and what was going on at home and things like that. And as the story goes, I basically shared everything. I just started at the age of four and a half, started sharing everything that had happened, all of the abuse that I was enduring. And so, of course, they then called uh, the ambulance and they called the police and all those places, and they ended up calling DCF. And so DCF immediately removed us from the home and they placed us into a, um, a foster home. Now, this foster home that we were placed into is really the first encounter that I had with Christ because prior to that, you know, I had no stability. I did not know anything about church. I wasn't even enrolled in preschool or kindergarten or anything. And so now I go into this home that is very structured. It is a pastor and a first lady who are just starting out in ministry, and they are actually holding services in their home in the basement. And so every Sunday morning, we would get up and get dressed like we were going out to a church building and we would go right downstairs into the basement and we would have church. And um, there was other members that would come into the home and, and we would really have an entire church service. And so for me, this was the first time that I got to kind of experience Christ. I think at that age, I didn't really know that it was like Christ, but I knew I was experiencing something that I never experienced before. And so eventually they ended up getting their own building. And so we were now having church in the building and we were learning how to usher and, you know, sing in the choir and all those different things that you do in church. We stayed in that foster home for quite a while, actually. Unfortunately, the pastor and the first lady ended up getting a divorce. And uh, the first lady of the church, my foster mother, she had a stroke. And so the plan was for her to always adopt my brother and I, but when the stroke happened, there was just no way that she could keep us. Um, and so we ended up now being um, put up for adoption. And by this time, our birth mother had her rights terminated. And so we were no longer even in contact with her. We weren't visiting her anymore in the prison. We weren't doing any of those things anymore. And so we ended up um, being put into this, this book that they have for foster care or for children that are now up for adoption. And so um, it kind of is a picture of you and it tells a little bit of your story in there so that uh, parents who are interested in adopting will kind of get a feel for you and, and the things you've experienced. Unfortunately, during this time, um, I had been kind of being placed into respite care every now and again because our foster mom had doctor's appointments and different things because of the stroke. And so we had a respite family that was introduced and we would go there like when there was no school or she just kind of needed a break, we would go to this respite home. And the respite home is also a home that has been licensed through the Department of Children and Families to be able to care for children that are in foster care. And while in this home, I was uh, molested again by one of the sons of the family. This time, though, I spoke up immediately. 
I told my social worker what was going on. And um, it just so happened that at the same time, they had identified a family for us that was interested in adopting us. And so we were moved very swiftly from that foster home and into uh, the adopted family's home. And that family's home was probably about an hour from where we lived in the foster care family. It was on the other side of Connecticut, which is where I'm from. And so we get to this home and they are also Christians. They um, are serving in the church. They're, you know, they're, they're very much involved in church. And so it was um, more normal for me. It wasn't a big change because now I was used to going to church. So I knew Christ. I, I knew structure, all those different things. But of course, I still had a lot of tra- a trauma. I was very angry. Um, there were parts of me that even though I was very well aware of the fact that my adopted mom's rights had been terminated because our social worker was very good at explaining things to us and and making sure we understood what was going on in the process, I still had a hope uh, that my mother was going to come back and get us. Like, I just felt like this was only temporary and she was coming back. And so I had a lot of anger. And then that anger turned into a desire to really, really want to know who my birth family was. And it was hard for me. I would go through holidays and different things, and you'd look across the table at the family members, and you don't look like them. Or they're sharing stories of, remember when, you know, remember when this happened, and you don't have those memories. And so while the family was very good to us, they loved us and took very good care of us, I still felt like I was missing out. And so as we uh, became teenagers, my adopted mother, she called us into her room one day and she said, listen, I need to talk to you. And at the time, she had um, a sister who was a couple years younger than her who was incarcerated. She had gotten into some trouble and she ended up being incarcerated. And here in Connecticut, there's only one women's prison in the entire state. So every female went to that particular prison. And so she ended up telling us that our adopted aunt, which was her sister, had contacted her and let her know that she was in prison with a woman who was saying that she had given up her twins for adoption and she really desired to to find out where they were and to know them. And when my adopted aunt asked her the name of the twins, it was me and my brother. So she ended up being incarcerated with our birth mother in this prison. And I mean, that for me was when my adopted mother told me that I just kind of was like, it, it was amazing that this could even happen. Like, how does this happen? Unfortunately, um, my birth mother had also been diagnosed with AIDS. And so they weren't sure how much longer she had to live. And so my adopted mom, being a Christian woman that she was, and knowing that technically she had no responsibility to my birth mother, she, she did not have to do anything. She could just act like, you know, we were not with her. Um, but she chose instead to actually take us to that prison and for us to be able to meet our birth mother. And so we did. We went there and we were able to meet her. And I remember sitting there and and prior to this, I had a list of questions that I was going to ask her if I ever got a chance to meet her. And now she was literally sitting across from me and I was speechless. I could not remember any question that I had asked or that I had wanted to ask her. 
And so um, I just really just sat there and kind of smiled the whole visit. And she talked and, you know, she asked us about school and just different things like that. And the visit was only about 30, 35 minutes. But I mean, it felt like it was forever because I just this was something that I had desired. And so we ended up becoming kind of like pen pals. She was still in prison. And so we would write back and forth and I would tell her about my day and things that was going on in my life and all of that fun stuff. And then eventually she ended up getting out of prison. And so she and my adopted mom decided that it would be okay if on the weekend she would come up to get us um, and take us back to Bridgeport where we where she was from and we would get to meet our different family members and all that stuff. And that worked out well for a few weeks. And then she ended up uh, taking us to a friend's house, which turned out to be a crack house. And she left us there and we didn't know where we were. And so I had to kind of find a payphone and call my, my, my adopted mom. And she had to figure out where we were and come drive an hour to get us. And she stopped those visits at that point because of our safety. And so I lost contact with my birth mother. She ended up going back to prison um, not too long after that. And I just didn't have the strength to continue this type of relationship because it was, it was just like I was feeling rejected over and over again. And so I stopped having that relationship with her. But then I became a young adult. And as a young adult, you really, you know, you start to um, just kind of want to know more about yourself. I ended up becoming a teen mom. And so when I was pregnant with my son at the age of 19, I really, really, really had this urge to know my mom again. Like I just wanted to know who she was. And so by this time, I had already moved out of my adopted mom's home. So I was kind of on my own and I had the ability to be able to search for her without feeling bad. Because as, as adopted kids, you kind of feel bad when you desire your, your real family because it's like you don't want them to feel like um, you, don't, you don't really uh, trust them or you don't appreciate everything that they've done for you. And so now I'm out on my own, so I can kind of move around as I want. And so I called the prison and I asked them if, you know, if she was still there. And they said, yes, you know, your mom is here. She's extremely sick. Um, she didn't have anywhere to go. So we kind of just kept her here. And I, uh, they asked me if I would be willing to sign her out of prison. And I said, absolutely, um, I would be willing to because I just wanted my mom. And, and I felt like now that I was pregnant, this would change her, that she would want this relationship with me and, and, and with her first grandchild. And, and so I signed her out of prison. Well, actually my grandfather, which is her father, went to the prison and he picked her up. Um, I had a doctor's appointment that day, so I wasn't able to go. And he picked her up and I waited back at his house for her to get there. And he came back and she wasn't with him. And so I said, you know, well, where is she at? Well, she had me drop her off at a friend's house. And so for two weeks, I looked for my mother. I was calling her. I waited for her at my grandfather's house. She never came back. And finally, she called me one day and she really wasn't calling me. She was calling my grandfather, but I happened to be there and I answered the phone and she and I just got into this huge argument because I kept saying, you know, God is giving you another chance to get your life together and you're not, and you don't want to. And I was so angry and she was yelling back at me and she was saying, you're not my mother. And who do you think you are? 
And I remember I hung up and I said, you know, just, just, I'm done with you. Don't call me ever again. Well, a week later, I was in the hospital for another doctor's appointment and I got a call from a cousin and she was letting me know that my mother had just passed away. She was literally across the street from me. I was in the OBGYN and she was in the emergency room and she had passed away. And the only thing I could think of was the last conversation that I had with her saying, I don't want to have anything else to do with you. And I kept that guilt for so long. I remember at her funeral, I literally passed out because I just, I couldn't even see her in that state. And I passed out. And so life kind of went on and I really kind of spiraled out of control for a little while. Um, I ended up one day having a really bad argument with my son's father. I mean, it was really, really bad. And we weren't in a good relationship at all. We were young. And I was really trying to make him love me. And so even though I knew the relationship wasn't good, I just wanted him to love me because I was looking for love. And we got into a really bad argument one day. And that night, I remember I I just got down on my knees and I was crying and I was just, my face was so puffy. And I just cried out to God and I said, God, you know, I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of what's been happening to me. And I just, I need you to send me a husband. Send me someone that's gonna love me and take care of me and my son. And, you know, I often laugh about that prayer now because I say, you know, Sana, why weren't you just asking God to help you, to teach you how to love yourself? Why was it that you were asking him to send you a man to love you. Like he was the only man that you needed to love you at that time. But you were asking for a physical man, a husband to love you. And so I laugh sometimes, like, you know, sometimes as women, when we're in the midst of things, some of our prayers are just crazy, right? But they're not crazy to God. And so the next morning I wake up and my cousin invited me to a church that she and her husband had started visiting. And she invited me to the church and I said, I'm not going to this church. Like my face is puffy. I've been crying. Like I'm living this crazy life. I have a teen mom who goes to church when they don't have their life together. That's what I said to her, right? Because that's what we often think. We often think that we have to have our lives together before we can go to church, before we can find God. We have to have our lives together. And so that's really how I felt. And she convinced me to go to church anyway. And so I went to church. And I remember as I walked up the walkway to this church, I saw this man standing outside talking on his cell phone. And I looked at him and I could clearly hear the voice of God tell me, that's your husband. And I looked at my cousin and I said, that's my husband. And she looked at me and she said, girl, you need to get your life together. That is not your husband. You don't even know him. You're supposed to be coming here for God and you looking at another man. And I said, no, God told me that's my husband. Now, please keep in mind, I don't think I've ever really, really, really heard the voice of God, right? Like who knows what the voice of God really, really sounds like. But I'm telling you on that day, I heard the voice of God tell me that that was my husband. 
And so we got into that church service, and I remember I just looked at him the entire service. I watched his every move. He was a drummer. I watched every time he hit those drums. I just couldn't take my eyes off of him. I can't tell you what the pastor preached because I have no clue. I was not listening to any of that. And so the end of the service comes, and they did the announcements, and the lady called up. Um, Joshua. She said, you know, now we have a special announcement from Joshua. And the drummer got up and he walked to the mic. And so I'm like, oh, his name is Joshua. Okay. And so he began to talk and he was saying how their pastor was getting married the next week and they wanted to have this um, bachelor party for him. And so they were asking the women of the church to donate desserts and foods for the bachelor party. And so my head is just Boeing, like, oh, this is this is how I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to volunteer to bring a dessert for the bachelor party. Now, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to bake. And at the time, I'm staying with my cousin. So I really don't even have a kitchen to cook in. And so I said, but that's going to be how I do it. So church ended and I waited till all the different women went up and gave their name. And then I said, hi, my name is Sana and I would like to donate a cheesecake. Oh, okay, great. A cheesecake. Great. Now, I don't even know how to make a cheesecake, but I was going to donate a cheesecake. And so I started, um, you know, kind of just standing there and he's like, okay, cheesecake. Got it. Like waiting for me to leave. And so then I was like, so, um, you know, you're really, really handsome. I was just wondering, would you give me your number? I would love to, to call you. And he was like, no, I don't give my number to women in the church. And I was like, okay, no problem. Because by this time, I'm used to rejection. So this is like not a big deal for me. And so I said, no problem. My cousin's husband is here. You can give your number to him. And then he can give your number to me. And he kind of chuckled to himself, but he did it. He gave my cousin's husband his number. And then right in front of him, I said, okay, can you give me the number? He passed the number over to me. And we ended up going on a date the following Friday. And we just kind of stayed. We were together like every day after that. And so now comes Christmas. Christmas time comes and he's like, listen, I really want to take you to meet my grandmother. Um, His mother had passed away when he was 16 from breast cancer. And so it was his grandmother who had raised him all this time. And so he, you know, bringing me to meet her was like bringing me to meet mom. And so he, we go to her, to his grandmother's house and we knock on the door and she swings the door open and he's like, Hey Nana, you know, I want you to meet my girlfriend. This is Sana. And she just looked at me like she had seen a ghost and she goes, I already know her. And Josh goes, no, no, you don't know this. You don't know her. I've never brought her here. Right. He was like trying to signal to her, like, this is not the girl that you think it is. I've never brought her here. And, and his grandmother's like, no, I know her. Hold on. And so we go in the house. And so she goes to her room and she comes back with this picture. And it's a picture of me. And so I'm looking at the picture and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. So I flip the picture over. And on the back of the picture, it said to Bishop and Lady Powell from Sana. 
And so she had taken this picture of me back when I was in foster care. She and her husband actually friends with my foster parents. And so they were starting churches at the same time. So when my foster parents got that new building, they would share it. So in the morning, my foster parents would have service. And then in the afternoon, they would come in and they would have service. So in the midst of the transition, she took a picture of me. Now, the thing that makes this so beautiful is that this picture was over 20 years old. She did not have this picture in a photo album, in a box, under the bed, in the basement. She had this picture on her dresser mirror. It was as if she was waiting for me to come to her house. She didn't go dig and search for the picture. She literally went to her room, pulled it off the mirror, and brought it to me. And so it was in that moment for me that I knew that I had a purpose. I knew that God had my life so perfectly orchestrated. And I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, this is amazing. And now we've been married for 13 years. And so when people often say to me, girl, you didn't hear the voice of God. I tell them, yes, I did. Because this was my husband. This man, I believe, was literally created for me. And I believe that I was literally created for him. And God is so amazing in the way he orchestrates our lives and our stories. Because I could have met him at any time prior to that day. But had I met him, I probably would not have given God the glory for that meeting. But when it happened this way, when I was able to see that nobody could have done this but God, I knew, I knew who I was going to serve for the rest of my life. Like, it was just simply amazing. And so my husband and I have been together for 13 years, and 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 together we work in ministry, and we're able to, to really help out a lot of foster kids that are, you know, currently in foster kids or just single moms who are struggling and, and need that extra help. We've been able to really help them out. And so my hope is that one day I will be able to be a, a, an adopted parent um, and be able to just give back and and give them a story that will make you believe in God. After I ended up getting married, um, I was now, my husband again, his father's a pastor. And so now I became a member of a, of a first family. And oftentimes when you're, you know, in a first family, you're, you are expected to kind of have it all together. You're expected to, you know, not have issues. Like people just kind of look at you like you have it all together. And for me, I kind of masked a lot of my pain and a lot of my shame so that I would be able to meet their expectations of what I was supposed to do. And so for years, um, I went around and I I worked in the women's ministry and I was an armor bearer for my in-laws. I did all the things that, you know, I'm supposed to do. And then one day, uh, Holy Spirit really began to deal with me. And he said to me, You've been serving me very well, but you've been serving me broken. And I desire for you to be healed. And so we ended up, and when I say we, I mean myself and Holy Spirit, going on this healing journey where he began to really 
deal with me layer by layer of all of my shame, of being a teen mom, of being molested, of having a mother who was incarcerated, of being sold for drugs, all those different things that I had um, held back, that I hid. People in my church had no clue that this was my life. They had no clue because I never talked about it. My in-laws didn't even know the depth of my story because I did such a great job at masking it and just being everything else. And God said, I have a greater purpose for you. I don't want you to just sit on a pew every Sunday and pretend to be who you are not. I gave you this story so that others could believe in me, but I need you to tell them in order for them to believe in me. And so I started just kind of going through this process of being unashamed, of being who I was, of of just telling people, listen, I was molested. I was, you know, I was a teen mom. I was all these things. And when I started to do that, you know, God really began to just heal me. They say that, you know, telling your testimony sharing it. That is where you begin, you get freedom. That's when you begin to heal. And the more and more I opened my mouth and I shared what God had done for me, I began to get healed and I stopped walking in shame. Um, and so I was able to then be able to talk to other teen moms, right? Other women who are not in church because they're a teen mom and they feel like if I come to church, people are going to reject me and I'm going to be ashamed. When I was able to say, look at me, do you believe that I was a teen mom? Do you believe that, you know, my mother had AIDS and I was given up and, and I was abused and all these things, but God still loves me and he still loves you. And when I was able to do that, the more I got to do that, it really empowered me to shed those layers of shame and just walk in my healing because God desires us to be healed and he desires us to know him on a greater level and, and to, to really cast out religion, but to focus on relationship. And so I really began to have relationship with my father and talk to him and, and pray with him just the way I'm talking to you today. It doesn't take a whole lot, but just to say to him, God, I invite you in. Every single day, God, I invite you in. And the more and more I do it, the more and more I walk in my healing. Well, as an adoptive mom, Sana's story, I mean, it really struck my heart. There, wow. I mean, where to, where to even start? There were 1,000 things we could talk about. But for me, um, hearing, it's so rare that as an adoptive parent, you get to hear from adults who grew up in foster care or grew up as an adopted child and to hear how her family handled it, how her parents were so loving and so open. And, you know, I hope that we would always be the same way for our daughter. It's definitely Mm -hmm. something we talk about in our house, but to hear her perspective on that was just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, it was really powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to hear the joy in her voice. I mean, what a personality. And you could just hear God's presence in her life because it, it was uncomfortable listening to her journey. But God is in the details of Sana's life and in everyone's life. Because if, if you don't believe that, I mean, the fact that she walked into that grandmother's house and that was just God saying, I am here and I've been here always. I mean, I I really, that, that choked me up hearing that for sure. And one of the things we hear about in storytellers a lot, when we have a story like this with a lot in it or with a heavy, a heavy topic is 
when women are healed and whole, it doesn't feel heavy when you listen. Yeah. There's so much hope. She is so joyful mm-hmm. that you're not thinking about all that hard. You're amazed at what she's walked through. But mm-hmm. what you're really amazed is how God has healed her mm-hmm. and brought her to where she is mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. As she even said uh, right before she started sharing her story, she said, it's, I don't want you to be sad hearing my story. Yes. And, you know, after after listening to her talk and just really processing everything, it did remind me of um, the verse in Isaiah, of Isaiah 61, 3, where God tells us that He can bring beauty from ashes. And, and you know, I just think about God does not want us to stay stuck in our past or in the grief from our past of what we experienced. He really longs to redeem that. I mean, honestly, that is why Jesus Christ came, is to bring us redemption, from all of those things. And then what I love so much about Sana is she's paying it forward. I mean, she's not just sitting in the healing that God has given her, but she longs to share that with other women and to free them as well. And we have some good, exciting news for you. Speaking of freedom, freedom. Sana's going to give you a little bit more. (laughs) Um, There is more to Sana's story. And we are going to tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But here is our big news that we have been talking about and praying about for quite some Mm -hmm. time. And we are going to launch a community for storytellers. And we are using the platform Patreon. And if you're a podcast junkie like me, you are very well versed in Patreon. And if you are not a podcast junkie, we know that lots of you only listen to Storytellers Live (laughs) and you need help just subscribing. And so here's what it is. Patreon is a separate website where you will go and you will support us financially every month. We will have a $5 level and a $10 level. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But you join and you join our community and we give you tons of extra content that we are so excited yes. about. You get to hear what's called a story within the story. So once a month, we will be interviewing one of our podcasts storytellers. And our big news is that today it's Sana. So you get to listen today to an additional interview with her. And at the end of this, we are going to put a five minute clip of that of our just really sitting back and talking interview is not even the right word. It's it's really just an ongoing discussion of hey, she talked about this in her story. You know, I want to hear more about it. Well, that's right. Because a lot of our um, listeners will tell us, gosh, I want to hear more about a certain area. Or even when we're listening Mm -hmm. to a story, we're like, gosh, there's a story within that story there. (laughs) And that's where we came up with that concept. So you're going to get one of those a month, which is an extra podcast. If you have gone through Discover Your Story, lots of you have, and we get feedback all the time. Will you give us more Bible studies around these stories and things to talk about? And so our answer is yes. When you join our Storytellers Live community once a month, you will get a discovery guide around one of our stories. And then lastly, we're going to alternate every other month. One month, you're going to get a new unheard story. (laughs) And then the other month, we are going to do an inside storytellers where we as a team set, we answer your questions and um, may have some special guests. Yeah, we may have special guests. (laughs) We don't know. Um, And so here is what you do. We are so excited to bring y'all this. You go to patreon.com, which is P A T. R-E-O-N dot com backslash S-T-L community. Or if that's really hard and very easy to forget, you simply go to storytellerslive.org and you click on Storytellers Live Community. And we are going to have two levels. So for $5 a month, you'll get everything I just talked about. So that's a lot. Like that's a lot of extra podcasts. (laughs) 
it, these podcasts will show up in your regular feed, just like your Storytellers Wednesday podcast mm-hmm. does. We will talk through how to do it. We'll have a video, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's the $5 level. And then really the reason behind why we're doing this community is because to run a podcast costs money. And we have been volunteers for years. And to tell you that we love what we do is an understatement. (laughs) And we would do it forever. But it does cost money to run a podcast. And so by you supporting us at our Storytellers Live community, it helps us grow. It helps our quality. It helps us bring on more people to help do what we do and have more stories. And to share those stories with more people mm-hmm. as well, to let others know that we're we're out there. Yes. And so that's why we're doing this. And we would love for you to support us. So for $5, you get all the content for $5 a month. And then we're just doing a second level at $10 a month. And that is, I love storytellers. I love what you do. And I want to support you. And so we're offering both of those. You'll get the same content at both. But again, by spending 5 mm-hmm. or $10 a month and donating to what we're doing, you get all this amazing stuff in return. Plus, when we'd have new merch and when we have T-shirts or when we have this and when we hope to have live events one day in the future mm-hmm. where we can have, you know, a conference or we have all these dreams, you'll be the first to know by being in this group. And it's a place, too, where you can meet each other. You can comment. You can chat. You can talk. You know, it's a it's a whole place where you can all this comes to be. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so we're excited to give you a sneak peek of what the story within the story is like with Sana. So here it is. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Patreon and welcome to Story Within the Story. Today we have Sana from episode 110, which was absolutely amazing. She spoke about her adoption. She spoke about uh, the foster care system. She spoke about how God moved in her life in a miraculous way. And we're talking to her today just about two other incredible um, adventures that she is going into. One of those being, um, I have mommy issues. So Sana, I want you to, I want you to talk to uh, some of our listeners about this concept of I have mommy issues and how God laid that on your heart. Wow. So I have mommy issues really came from Holy Spirit. Uh, One day I was in my in my room and I was just kind of sitting there and I felt this this heaviness come over me. And so I got up and I went to my bathroom because for me, that's my prayer closet is my bathroom. And so I went in the bathroom and as I got in the bathroom, I got heavier and it, it almost felt like I was having a panic attack. And as I just began to put on my worship music, I started to cry. And I was, before I knew it, I was literally on the floor just in boohoo tears, just ugly face tears. And God began to really speak to me. And he said, you're crying like this because you have mommy issues. And I was like, mommy issues? You know, now this is something I knew I was struggling with mommy issues, but sometimes you think God doesn't know, you know, like you're hiding something from him. And so he said, you have mommy issues and you need to deal with those issues. And he began to kind of remind me of some of the things and why I have these mommy issues. So for me, I had I had the opportunity to have four mothers. I had a a birth mother. I had a foster mother. I had an adopted mother. And then I have a mother-in-law. And in my mind, each of those women failed me in some way. And why do they fail me? It's because I had a great expectation that I put on them, how I expected them to be a mom to me. And when my needs and my desires were not fulfilled, I cast them aside. 
And as I did this through each relationship, I began to really um, have a black and blue heart. And so God was saying, you have mommy issues and you're a mom now of a daughter and you can't have these issues and serve me. And so we decided um, I was going to do this live and I was going to share about my story of mommy issues. And that was going to be it for me. Okay, God, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll share my mommy issues with whoever you tell me. And he said, no, this is going to be a six week session because a lot of my daughters are struggling with mommy issues. And so he literally just downloaded an entire six week curriculum to me, including facilitators to actually talk about mommy issues because he desires for his daughters to be healed. That is his goal. He needs us to be healed so we can properly serve him. And, and although, you know, we were probably moving around in ministries and doing all these things right now, and he's extending grace and things are happening and it's beautiful. We're struggling with mommy issues. We are hurting and he does not want us to continue to hurt. So that's how mommy issues came about. You know, I love the concept because uh, we hear the term daddy issues a lot, you know, yes. that she has daddy issues. And, um, and, and it is something that people talk about, but mommy issues is really, you know, when I heard about that, when I was looking through your information, that's what just struck me is so many women do struggle with mommy issues. Right. Um, if there's someone who's interested in the curriculum of what you're doing, how do they get information about it? They can actually go to my website, which is uh, sanalatrice.com. And if you click on events, you will see the registration. It's free. It doesn't cost anyone anything. Um, the goal is really for us to come out on the other side and to enter into 2021 um, closer to our healing. I, I understand you're not going to completely be healed in six weeks, but this is to first acknowledge that you have mommy issues and two, to be able to start the process. You know, one thing you had said in your story, and it made me think of it when you named your website, where does Latrice come from? You said that's a whole nother story in itself. When you said your website, it made me think of that. Yes. So when I, uh, when I was born, of course, I was, my name was Sana Amentha Doris Choice. It was a long name, but my mom named me after her uh, grandmother and her great grandmother. So that's why I had this long, long name. And so when I got adopted, of course, they give you the opportunity to change your name. And at this time I was going on nine years old. And so I was like, oh, great. I could change my name because no one can pronounce Sana anyway. And I'm tired of having to bubble in all those little bubbles on those tests, which you have to take and your name doesn't fit. So I was like, yeah, let's change the name. And so I sat there in the, in the uh, judge's office, like, oh, what's my name going to be? I could be all these different names. And then my cousin um, said to me, why don't you leave your first name, Sana, and change your middle name? And I was like, well, what am I going to change my middle name to? And she said, how about Latrice? And so that's how I got Sana Latrice. But then when I got older, this older gentleman who is um, Puerto Rican, I was at work one day and he came into the office and he said, what's your name? And I said, Sana. And he said, Sana, hmm, do you know that in Spanish, your name means healing? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, in Spanish, your name means healing. And I sat there in my seat and I, I literally broke down in tears because I know that my whole life, God has been healing, healing, healing. And that is the ministry that I now walk in. 
And for my mother, my birth mother, who at the time was high on drugs, she was incarcerated, all these things, she gave me a name that I would walk into, a name that I would own. And I said that even that was God because I could have been anybody else. And for my cousin to say, don't change your first name, no one knew then what it meant. We just knew we couldn't pronounce it. But for her to say, don't change it, and for me to find out it means healing, I knew that again, that was God saying, daughter, I got you. You are in the palm of my hand. Well, what you just heard is just a five-minute glimpse of what is a 20-minute conversation with Sana. And you can hear that today by joining our community. We're going to have this all over Instagram and Facebook of how you can do that. So if you don't already follow us online, it's Storytellers Live Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Again, it will be on our website. And you go today and you join. And so here's what you're going to get. By going today, you get to hear Sana's story within the story. We will have two bonus stories available today. So you go on today, we're going to add one more before the end of 2020. In the next six weeks, we will have a total of three stories that you get to hear now. And so that is very fun for us. We can't wait for you to hear them. We can't wait for you to join us and just see really see what God does with this community. Because it's something that our heart has we've had on our heart forever is how do we build community within storytellers. And so This is our answer. Go again to storytellerslab.org and hit join the Storytellers Lab community and you can join us today. Y'all have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.